Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Wendy's new classic chicken sandwich is now in the two for five. And that's reason to celebrate. Try the new classic and then take your mouth on a victory lap with the iconic Dave's Single, the delicious spicy chicken sandwich, spicy or crispy 10-piece nuggets, or just get another classic chicken sandwich. Taste greatness today with Wendy's two for five. We got you. For a limited time, a la carte only. Price and participation may vary in U.S. Wendy's. Hey, it's Jay Zawoski. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'll be right with you with the new episode in a matter of moments. But first, I want to let you know about my new Blackhawks book coming out on November 10th. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks, published by Triumph Books. The foreword is written by two-time Stanley Cup champion David Boland. If you're interested in ordering my book, and I would greatly appreciate it if you did, head to bookshop.org or bookiesbookstores.com to support great independent booksellers if you're more of an amazon kind of a person you can get it there too or any major book retailer the name of the book the big 50 the men and moments that made the chicago blackhawks by jay zawoski that's me coming out november 10th from triumph books the madhouse chicago hockey podcast is brought to you by triple threat sports marishka's and crest hill dr squatch soap company and by fry the coop here are your hosts nbc chicago's james navoe and 670 the scores hockey guy jay zawoski let's drop the puck Welcome in, friends, to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, as always, of course, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast, and soon to be the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> yeah. I guess we will find out. It's Jay Zawoski. What's up, buddy? 
Hey, buddy. Thank you. Uh, appreciate that nice intro. Uh, by the way, thanks to everybody who joined us on our hot mic for game six, which turned out being the final game of the East final last night. That was a good time. I know we promised this podcast would come sooner, but we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. Then my computer updated without me telling it to. So there's a good seven hours <laughs> that I'll never get back. But thanks for being with us here on this Friday. And if you're listening on the weekend, hope you're having a great weekend. Very easy to get in touch with us. MadhousePod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at MadhousePod. Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. Facebook at Facebook.com slash MadhouseHockey. C-H-I. A lot to get to today. Uh, believe it or not, even though the Hawks haven't made a ton of news, uh, Corey Crawford's been in the news. Uh, a lot of teams are in the Central Division are making moves and, and not re-signing people and trading people and talking about trading people. So um, I think that's where we're going to start things today is with Corey Crawford. And if you missed it earlier this week, uh, Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet up in Canada had his 31 Thoughts column, which he publishes often. And it's always full of good, chock full of good rumors. So here's the note on Corey Crawford. It says, initially, Chicago and Corey Crawford were not seeing eye-to-eye on the dollar value of an extension. Crawford knew there would be a cut. How much of a cut was the issue? So, when we last spoke, the Hawks had offered Corey Crawford a one-year deal for $3.5 million, and it appears that Corey Crawford wants more money. Yeah, that to me, like when we saw the $3.5 million offer, I think it was like probably two weeks ago now, like all time is irrelevant in the age <laughs> of COVID, so I have no idea how long ago this actually was. I saw there were some people on social media who were saying that they felt like it was either an insulting offer to Crawford or it was one that was designed to get him to deliberately turn down. And I didn't get that vibe from it. I thought three and a half million was potentially a good starting point in negotiations at the very least, just because of the fact that Crawford does have a history of concussions and is getting up there in age, et cetera, et cetera. And you and I had kind of come to the conclusion. And obviously if you feel like I'm misrepresenting what we were saying, feel free to chime in. We had kind of come to the conclusion that the $3.5 million benchmark would make a lot more sense if the Blackhawks were going to do a two-year deal with them. If yes. he wants a one-year deal, you're probably looking in the ballpark more of like $4 million. But beyond that, like we had discussed this last night on Hot Mike, and the more I've kind of chewed on it, the more I agree with you. You start getting north of $4 million, even on a one-year deal – I don't know if I'm willing to give that to Corey Crawford right now, and I'm not sure that anybody in the marketplace for a goaltender is going to be willing to give him that either. That's the thing. And do you let him go shop around and say, go see what you can find and come back to us? Maybe they do. And again, I'm not going to panic here. I think $3.5 million in one year is the initial offer. If that was signed, every Hawks fan would be happy, which tells you that it's not the most player-friendly deal in the world, right? So I think we knew that there was going to be some negotiation room around there. Um, but I, what you're saying is correct, James. For $4 million, that's I'm going to start to hesitate there. That's probably about as high as I'm willing to go for Corey Crawford. Now, I wonder, would this, by the way, we ran a poll on the our Twitter account, at MadhousePod, uh, this was run on September 10th. Is the Blackhawks one-year, $3.5 million offer to Corey Crawford fair? 79% of respondents said yes. Of course, those are basically all Blackhawks fans responding, and they probably want that deal to get done. Here's the thing. Are you more willing to give him one year at four or two years at three and a half? <clears throat> 
I think that I would – I think I told you last night that I would be willing to give him the two-year deal at $3.5 based on the fact that if he retires or if they buy him out, the cap hit gets lessened after the first year of that deal. I like that insurance policy. And I also – I do wonder if it's, like, somewhat tradable – in that second year, if the Blackhawks don't like what they're getting out of him, like I don't see Corey Crawford becoming a below average goaltender in the NHL. Like that's the only way that you wouldn't be able to unload that contract outside of health, of course, like that. And that's a completely different conversation. But I think that a two year deal at three and a half million, I think, gives him a little bit more security. I think it makes the slightly lower cap hit a little bit more palatable. And there are ways to get rid of it if you have to. So I think that, at least to me, I'd probably be more willing to give him that, especially if the alternative is like a one-year deal at $4 million or somewhere north of that. Well, and the, the other thing that works in Crawford's favor is they could front-load it too. So the way the salary cap works is it's, it's an average of the yearly salary, right? So you can't like say, okay, we're going to give you $12 million one year and then a million the next year, and then the cap moves. The cap hit is the average of the contract. So if they wanted to give him two years seven, they could give him in his pocket $5 million this year and then $2 million next year if they wanted to. Again, that helps Corey Crawford specifically, not necessarily the Blackhawks in any way, shape, or form, but if that helps it get done, so be it. But on the note of Crawford's money, Another note in Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts mentioned that the Hawks were one of the teams sort of sniffing around Darcy Kemper. Kemper is 30 years old. He's got $4.5 million on uh, of a cap hit for the next two seasons. So I don't know if this is a sign of the Hawks doing their due diligence and just sort of saying like, okay, you know, if, if we can't for whatever reason get Corey Crawford done, what other options do we have? I think Darcy Kemper could probably be had for a draft pick or two, I don't think it's going to take too much to get that done. But again, where are you squeezing in four and a half million dollars on your salary cap? Now, maybe what you can do is say, hey, look, you know, we have uh, we've taken care of you many times over the years with deals. Right. And, uh, you know, Arizona, maybe maybe you eat a little bit of that salary, considering all the stuff we've done for you to. I don't know. It's interesting. I just I think that they're. As of this moment, I'm still pretty confident Crawford comes back. Um, but, you know, I, I think a hiccup is nothing to panic about, I guess I would say. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I would also like to caution you that the NHL has tweaked its rules on the amount of money that a contract can vary from year to year. Uh, they kind of did that in the aftermath of contracts like the Marion Hosa deal, where at the beginning of the deal he was getting like $11 million and by the end was getting like 600000 Like they, they kind of uh, edited the rules a little bit to kind of change the amount of money that the contract can vary from year to year. So I'm not quite sure if the five and two split would work, but I'm certain that they would obviously be able to front load it at least a little bit, whether with signing bonus or whatever. So I did want to uh, – Throw yeah. that out there just because it's kind of a word of caution. And the other thing, too, is you can get those performance bonuses, which they're scary because if he reaches them, then you're really screwing yourself, right? Like, we've seen that happen with the Hawks a lot. Uh, and I spoke to a source earlier today and it said, just gut feeling, you know, is Corey Crawford back? And he said 60-40, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's not assured, but... I don't know. It, it's interesting. The, the The fact that they're sniffing around Kemper is, 
I don't know. I just don't. I think if you're bringing in a goalie for four and a half million, you've got to be moving somebody out, right? Like, do right. they take Zach Smith? Do they take Olimata? Whatever. And maybe it's part of a bigger thing, right? Who knows? There's a lot of ways it can go. But uh, this Blackhawks goaltending situation is going to be the story of the offseason until it's not, right? Until Corey Crawford is signed or another goalie is acquired, this is sort of holding up Kubalik and Strom and the buyouts and everything else you have to do this offseason. Teams around the league are already making moves. They're already making trades, and we're going to get into that next. But I want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports, triplethreatsports.com. Very exciting news. In a week or so, we're going to be hosting a Madhouse Podcast online store through our friends at Triple Threat Sports. So you'll be able to go online, get some Madhouse Podcast t-shirts, some hoodies, some things like that. So look forward to that. As soon as we get the news, as soon as the site is live, we will send out those links. But give Chris a call, 708-478-6090. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it. They can make it. They've been with us since day one on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, and we greatly appreciate it. So um, Eric Stahl traded to Buffalo for Marcus Johansson, the Wild making a move there. Uh, they announced today that they will not re-sign Miku Koivu, that they're going to let him walk. And uh, Matt Dumba is on the trade block as well. So the Minnesota Wild are looking to shake things up and, and change the way their team looks uh, next season, I don't really get the stall thing, but I guess if you're just trying to, I don't know, trying to shake things up, I guess that's what you have to do, right? Well, I mean, it's not like the Minnesota Wild have been uh, blowing the doors off of anybody lately. I mean, yes, they did make the NHL's uh, resumed play season this year, but I mean, they're a team obviously that's uh, seen their championship window. If you want to even call what they had a championship window. They've probably seen that close pretty effectively right now. They're still trying to kind of develop some new younger talent on that roster, but they still have those Ryan Suter and Zach Parise contracts on their books, and it's obviously going to be a really tough slog for the Wild to be able to really do anything like monumental to kind of reshape the team and to kind of get them going in the right direction just based on the fact that they have some of those bigger term contracts, whether it's for a Zach Parise a Matt Zuccarello. The interesting thing, though, is after next season, they have a lot of contracts that do end up coming off of their books, including Marcus Johansson, who will be an unrestricted free agent after the 2020-2021 season. So at least in the forward department, the Wild are definitely going to have some room to work with. It's just they have so many big contracts on their defense, whether it's the Suter deal, Jared Spurgeon, like these guys – are making a ton of money. There is a lot of money wrapped up in their blue line right now. And obviously moving a guy like Matt Dumba would go a ways towards uh, helping to fix some of those issues. Well, Dumba's got three years left uh, with $6 million per on the cap. I did not know he had a $6 million cap hit, by the way. That is, that was kind of wild to me when I was so oh, God. Look at you. Unintentional <laughs> pun. I didn't even do that on purpose. Yes, you did. It's infected my subconscious. <laughs> you are a crafty son of a bitch. That was, that was slick. Um, but no, see, I, I don't see him as a $6 million player. And maybe we're doing the same thing Pierre Maguire is doing by being out of town stupid about Matt Dumba. Maybe he's better than he gets credit for if you missed it. Uh, Pierre Maguire said Brandon Saad is not a solid defensive forward, which is absolutely absurd. He's one of the Hawks' best defensive forwards and has been since he came to the NHL. Maybe Matt Dumba's better than we think, but it's tough for me to think about paying that guy $6 million. I don't know, because like, when I saw 
oh, Matt Dumba's on the trade block. Maybe that's somebody, you know, if you feel like you don't want to pay Dylan Strome because Kirby Doc has emerged and you feel like you've got some other guys, you can maybe trade Strome's rights for Dumba, but you can't bring in $6 million here. There's no chance. They can't. Yeah. So I, I mean, the, so the way I kind of looked at it was they may they may be interested in Dylan Strom. They're not obviously going to pay him six million dollars, but no, right. that's probably a situation where you're looking at at least having an additional forward that's under contract moving beyond next season. Because I'm pretty sure when I was looking at their cap friendly page earlier today, I'm pretty sure the Wild have like two forwards under contract after next season. Like they are going to be doing some pretty serious house cleaning, it looks like. And who knows, maybe adding a guy like Dylan Strom that can play wing or center, maybe that's something that they would want to do. I don't know. I still think, if I'm betting, I still think Strom and Kubelik are back. I So here's the thing. Before this conversation, before we talked last night, if I said to you, like, top of your head, how much money does Matt Dumba make? What would you, What would your guess have been? Like, what do you think? Like, without knowing now, what would you think his cap hit was? He seems like one of those guys that kind of like fits into like almost the Oli Mata mode where he like makes like between four and four and a half million yeah. is what I would have guessed. That that would have been my guess too. And that's why when I saw the name, I was like, oh, that, that could be somebody. You could bring him in and he immediately makes your defense better. And he's on the young end of things and, uh, you know, can can move the puck a little bit. But not at six million. You just can't. It's a non-starter. And that's, you know, by the way, think back to how crestfallen we all were when the Hawks did not get Suter and Parise that (laughs) that stuff that sunk that franchise man like they that 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 tied them up and Suter and Parise are really good players but Parise's been hurt it feels like more than he's been healthy Mm -hmm. and Suter's been solid but he's just he's I don't think he's a game changer right like that like do you think Ryan Suter is significantly better than Nicholas Jomerson yeah he's better offensively but I don't know if, if he's like franchise number one. I'm probably wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But it just he didn't feel like a Duncan Keith type, like a guy who's going to plug him in in his prime and he's going to make your team instantly really good. He was always kind of the guy who played second fiddle to Shea Weber in Nashville anyway. Like he was always like kind of like you said, Nicholas Jalmerson with a little bit of better offensive upside. But like the fact is – they paid him a lot more money than the Blackhawks ever paid Nick Jalmerson. Like that, they really went balls to the wall to get him. And if I recall correctly, these had to have been some of the last like long-term contracts that the NHL allowed before the CBA switched, only allowing eight-year deals. Those deals were both what thirteen million dollars or thirteen years, almost a hundred million dollars a piece. Man, though that those kind of contracts, if they don't work out, can really hamstring you. As the Blackhawks are probably finding out with the fact they have two uh, contracts north of ten mil apiece with Kane and Taves, like that really impacts what you can do on the rest of your roster. And quite obviously, it did not work out for the Minnesota Wild whatsoever. Now, I believe, I don't think I'm wrong here. Both of them signed identical deals. I believe that is correct. So if that's true, both of them have one, two, three, five years left. It's 7.538. Yep, that sounds about right. And I don't know if you're going to be able to, I mean, I don't know how you can move those deals at all. Like, I, I don't think it's I don't possible. think you can't. Then obviously they have, you know, no movement clauses and all that. And also would like to point out that with five years left on his deal, Zach Parise is already 36 years old and Ryan Suter is 35. 
That's not great. <laughs> that's not, a, that's not a, the Hawks only have one of those with Brent Seabrook. That's good enough. That's good enough, man. That's uh, that is a tough, tough pill to swallow for the Wild. And you know they thought like, okay, maybe we bring these guys in, and it sort of changes the way our team operates, and we lo- seem like a bigger market, and players want to come here. But at the same time, like those are not astronomical cap hits, but two of those are. And I don't know. It just, it just didn't seem to put them on the map very much as a destination. I mm. thought it would. Like, okay, this makes the Minnesota Wild like one of the top leagues in a te- teams in the league, a destination, and it just did not have that impact that I think they expected. And, of course, sucky for them, they run into the Hawks and Kings in their dynasty years, and they just there were so many good teams in the West there. Like when we were looking back during the pandemic on – those Vancouver teams, those teams were awesome. When you look at them throughout the hatred lens, like without the hatred lens, you're like, damn, those Vancouver teams were stacked and they could have very easily won Stanley Cups too. And I don't and know. they the only wi- got to one Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and I don't one. know if the Wild weren't on that level, but they were they were a pretty solid team too that just kept getting beat by the Hawks. It was it was almost sad. Uh also I keep forgetting that Ryan Hartman is on the Minnesota Wild now. That was another Kind of little fun reminder looking at their cap-friendly page earlier today. Blackhawks legend Ryan Hartman. All right, let's do this. Take a quick time out. We're going to come back and preview the Stanley Cup final. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's out there in Crest Hill. I went and saw Joe Zadralovich yesterday. Stopped by his house, his palatial estates, the house that the poor boys built out there in Lockport. And Joe had a Marishka's poor boy ready for me. And you know what I did, James? I pulled into Lewis University and ate it in a parking spot all by myself, and it was amazing. I drove through an Arby's. I said, give me a large Diet Coke and all the napkins you have, and I went and enjoyed my <laughs> went and enjoyed my uh, Marishka's Poor Boy, but you can do the same. 604 Theodore Street, they're family-owned and operated since 1933. Get the twice-baked potato. Get those onion rings. Those are outstanding. Man, I love Marishka's. The best part about Marishka's, I had it, like, you know, almost 24 hours ago. Still taste it. Still delicious. I would like to uh, point out one other thing real quick for our listeners under uh, the new parameters of coronavirus in our area. Marishka is once again open to uh, dine-in service inside as of today. So if you're uh, comfortable doing that, go get a Yodel Burger, go slather yourself in the garlic butter and enjoy every bite. Marishka's is like a classic uh, Wisconsin supper club with amazing food. Go visit them, marishkas.com, Facebook com slash Marishka's. We'll be right back with a look at the Stanley Cup final here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here in Homewood. James out there in Bourbon A. I want to tell you about our friends at Dr. Squatch Natural Soap Company. James got his shipment recently and is very pleased. Got an email from our listener, Lance. He says, so happy I joined Squatch Nation. Even the bathroom itself just smells great, just from the bar sitting in my shower. And that was my uh, first clue. When I subscribed to Dr. Squatch, before we were partners, I said, 
Wow, my house smells really good just from Squatch being around. What is Dr. Squatch, Jay? What the hell are you talking about? Well, natural, made in the USA, hand-cut, handmade bar soaps that are everything you'd be looking for. Moisturizing, exfoliating, they smell great. There's a bunch of different varieties. Go to drsquatch.com, take the Squatch quiz in the top right corner when you check out. Enter that promo code MADHOUSE. You'll save 20% on your order and help out James and I, more importantly for us, of course. But they also offer a hair care kit, which is great. Uh, Colognes, beard oils, anything you need for your skin, for your hair, Dr. Squatch has it. And I like to say, with Dr. Squatch, you're investing in yourself. You're not using crappy chemical-filled soaps on your body anymore. You're going to get all natural, and you're going to feel and look and smell so much better Make sure, pro tip, you get that soap saver to make those bar soaps last significantly longer. DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE. Join Squatch Nation like James and Lance and so many others have over the last few months. Man, I just, I'm smelling Dr. Squatch like in my brain right now. It's just like, ah, <laughs> what a pleasant, unpleasant moment this is. Yeah, it's, it is amazing. And by the way, I got an email yesterday there's going to be a new limited edition Dr. Squatch scent coming out, chocolate milk. I I might just eat that bar. Would that be <laughs> Is that legal? I don't like I don't know if you're supposed to do that. Ralphie uh, did it. These statements have not been uh <laughs> these statements have not been validated by the FDA. Thank Please you. do not. Uh, don't don't eat soap. Don't, don't don't jay it up. Do not eat soap. Do not. Um but man, sometimes you're tempted. All right, so Stanley Cup final is established. We've got the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. And uh, I don't know, it's really hard for me to talk myself into the Stars winning this, but guess what? It was hard for me to talk myself into the Stars getting to the West Final, and they did it. Um, But, you know, looking at the thing, when you look at the numbers, Vegas, they were the better team in that series. You know, they had the the edge in possession, the edge in all those things, and Dallas just won because Anton Hudobin was great. And look, in the playoffs, you can ride a hot goalie to a championship, but I feel like the Lightning are just... They're just a buzzsaw, man. I don't know. How do you see this thing going? Uh, I believe I saw a statistic that the last time a team made the Stanley Cup final with a negative goal differential, which the Stars are a minus two goal differential in the playoffs, the last time that happened, I think, was in 1968 when the St. Louis Blues made the Stanley Cup final. And the only reason the Blues made the final that year was because the NHL had just expanded and it put all six expansion teams in the same division and the winner of that division got into the cup final. So they kind of lucked into it a little bit and obviously did not win the Stanley cup that year. So kind of interesting that the stars are in that company. You and I were kind of going over some of the uh, statistics for the stars last night. We were a little bit surprised that guys like Tyler Sagan really are not scoring that much has eight points in 20 games so far in the playoffs. Yeah, you do still have guys like Jamie Benn who are doing a good amount of the scoring, but guys like Joe Pavelski are going to need to step up if they're going to win this series. Obviously, Miro Haskinen's been really good for the Stars. Anton Kudobin has been fantastic in net. All of that being said, man, I get that they've beaten the two best teams in the West, the two teams that we immediately thought were going to face off in the conference final, and then be a Stanley Cup favorite. I'm not sure if they can handle the insane amount of scoring talent that the Lightning have. And then, oh yeah, if Andre Vasilevsky plays at least decently, like that's just another obstacle Dallas would have to overcome. So I think that if I had to put money down right now, I would probably say 
Tampa is going to win this series, but I do think that Dallas can probably take some of the lessons that they've learned in beating the Golden Knights and the Avalanche and kind of bring some of those forward. They just play a different style of game and they can really be kind of a pain in the neck for teams. Like there are not many teams that can slow Vegas down in the middle of the ice the way that Vegas did to, I don't know, every other flipping team that they played. (laughs) Yes. But Dallas turned the tables on them and did that to them, especially early in the Western Conference final. And so I just, I don't want to rule the stars out. I'm not saying that this is going to be like a blowout or anything like that, but I would still lean towards Tampa Bay just because of the insane amount of talent that they do have and the fact that the Stars have probably had at least a little bit of puck luck in getting to this point. So Dom LeCision of The Athletic ran his series probability. 72.8% likelihood that the Lightning win this series. Uh, 13% likelihood in four games. 22% in five or six. 17% in seven games. The other element of this, those numbers are without the potential return of Steven Stamkos, who's been practicing and could return for the final for the Lightning. And I know he's not the player he used to be, but that's just another dude that can put the puck in the net from pretty much anywhere. Um, I, You know what? I almost find myself rooting for the Stars because I love an underdog story. I don't really have any bad feelings about the Dallas Stars um, now that uh, Antoine Roussel is gone. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I just... Breaking uh, news, Jay Zawoski's <laughs> a big Corey Perry fan. Oh, damn you. You reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, never mind. Never mind. Damn it. Screw you, Dallas. I hate Jay him again. hates you now. Yeah. I hate him again. Go Ning. Go Lightning. Um, but no, it's 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 just hard for me to get myself to oh, I can make this argument. Hey, it would be really cool if the off season champions of the last ten years, Jim Nill and his Dallas Stars, who day one of free agency, the stars are the best. They're the winners of the off season, and then they sputter out in the playoffs to put it all together to make it happen would be huge. I'm just looking at Tampa Bay and with the with that with number 91 just sort of hiding in the rafters like here I come I'm back. That's a daunting task for the Dallas Stars. I mean, yeah, you just look down the freaking lightning roster. You look at guys like Nikita Kucherov. You look at, even though he's been banged up, Braden Point. You look at freaking Victor Hedman, Andre Palat, like on and on down this damn list. There are so many good players that they have on their roster and so many guys that can make big-time contributions. And, yeah, I've got – I have some questions about their defense, their defense beyond Victor Hedman. Like, am I going to feel really super comfortable on a team that leans kind of heavily on guys like, uh, you know, Zach Bogosian and Ryan McDonough? Yeah, maybe not. But they just have so much damn scoring, and their goaltending is really solid. That is just a – it's a well-put-together team, and I do think that they rightly are the favorites in this series – I'm really interested to see how Dallas tries to slow them down. It's going to be interesting. And I know, you know, I like Dallas's mix of speed and skill. I think they're a well-balanced team. And I think when you look at them, they're sort of built for the playoffs when you look at that roster. And I don't know. I think I think it's going to be a close series. I don't think it's going to be, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a sweep or a five-game thing. I think, I think that Dallas mm-hmm. can get six or seven games out of this, but – just when you look at the the attrition of a long Stanley Cup playoff, especially in the way that this whole thing has gone down, it's tougher than your average Stanley Cup playoff, right? Like not being home, not being in, you know, not having the comfort you're used to. It's been a grind on these guys, and I just look at the t- at the talent gap between the two teams, 
and uh, Victor Hedman playing at the top of his game still. It's just it's a really tough task for them. So I, if I'm putting money on it, I'm going to bet the Lightning. Uh, if I'm if my heart if my heart putting my heart into it, I would like the Dallas Stars to win just because it'd be such a great underdog story because everybody, myself included, was saying Vegas or Colorado, Vegas or Colorado in the final, and neither of those teams made it. And, and mm-hmm. that to me, that's cool. When it's unpredictable, I root for chaos, and this is chaos. I definitely have to give the Stars a lot of credit, especially to Rick Bonus. I think that he has done a fantastic job of like adjusting strategy as these playoffs have gone on. And I like the fact that he has a roster that he can kind of be flexible with, too. That is always such a big key in the playoffs, especially when there is a talent gap like between the two teams. And I would say that it may not be a massive gap, but there is definitely a gap between the talent level of these two teams. I just think that his tactics and his coaching have been really have been really good, and it's been really fun to watch. So I definitely think that the Stars can hang tough in this series. I'm picking the Lightning to win in six. Um, I just – I really do think that this could be – it's going to be more fun, I hope, than people are kind of giving it credit for. I've seen a lot of kind of met attitudes towards this Stanley Cup final matchup, but – this could be good, I think, and I'm hoping that it lives up to at least my expectations. Well, I'll be watching it. James, I know you will, too. We should definitely do a hot mic or two during the Stanley Cup final because it will probably be our last chance for a while. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be exciting, and uh, I'm really looking forward to – you know, the other thing we need to mention is the league has gotten this far. They've gotten to the Stanley Cup final with zero positive tests. They have knocked this thing out of the park, and I am happy to eat crow. When I was saying months ago, like, I don't trust that the NHL is going to be the one lead to figure this thing out. They have done a phenomenal job. Props to the NHL, props to their players for their commitment to keeping it healthy, keeping it safe, and not being tempted to go out and, and you know, oh, I just got to get out of here. I'm going to go do something unsafe. Zero They've been positive in Edmonton, tests. dude. What do you think they're going <laughs> to do? True. Hey, there are, uh, there are gentlemen's clubs everywhere. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you you got me there, Jay. I am uh, I'm left speechless by that. You know what else is everywhere? Fry the coop. Oh Oak, yeah. <laughs> Oak Lawn, Elmhurst, West Town, Well Street Market coming soon to an area near you. They're opening all the time. There's gonna be one in Tinley Park. I think uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing, so I'm not gonna say it. But another one sort of out west. Fry the coop is coming, and they are thriving in a pandemic. That should tell you all you need to know about the quality of the Nashville hot chicken you're going to get at Fry the Coop. Get the donut fried chicken sandwich, the Nashville hot chicken sandwich, just the tenders, which is what I usually do. They've got a great beer selection. Right now, Fry the Coop, you can walk up there. They've got a takeout window. You can order online at frythecoop.com. It is a really safe, really well done uh, system they have in place. Uh, Joe and his company, Fry the Coop, are doing a great job in the pandemic. And the fact that they're expanding as a small business during a pandemic tells you everything you need to know. Go to frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. You will be happy you did. With that, I want to do one email here that I thought was interesting on the topic of uh, goalies. So this is from Michael. He says, last podcast, Jay joked that Chris Osgood wasn't a good goalie. This was a little surprising. I think I'm being misquoted there, but that's fine. This was a little surprising, seeing as how I always thought that Osgood and Corey Crawford have so many similarities, and Jay's always praising Crawford so much. I love Crawford, too, he says. Both are very good goalies on amazing teams and were the starters for two Stanley Cups, but both have somewhat 
split support from their fans, while probably having even less support nationally. The two Cups and two Jennings trophies um, are fantastic, but need great teams to accomplish those feats. On an individual level, they each made two midseason All-Star games, but they never reached elite goalie status compared to their peers, and neither has won a Vezina. Osgood finished second voting once and was a second team All-Star once. Crawford has never been a first or second team postseason All-Star and has never been a Vezina finalist, the highest being fifth in voting one year. It's hard to compare goals against and save percentage with goalies from different eras as the norms for those stats vary a lot over time. Osgood has 140 more wins than Crawford, but that's more of a team stat. In the end, I find both goalies similar as they were great and came up clutch for their teams twice but are not Hall of Famers, agree with any of this. I see the comparison, Michael, and I think that's a fair comparison. The difference is, for the vast majority of Chris Osgood's career, he played on an uncapped team. That team could load up on talent as often as they wanted. Very often, those Red Wings teams were super teams. And you could say the same thing about the Hawks dynasty teams, but they so often had to jettison guys they would have rather kept because of the salary cap. Detroit for the vast majority of Chris Osgood's career, didn't have to do that. So they're already great, and they add Chris Chelios. They're already great, they add Brett Hull. That happened over and over and over again throughout the Red Wings thing. So I think when you're looking at the total strength of the team, I think those Red Wings teams, because of how great they were top to bottom, I think it's a little bit less of an accomplishment from Osgood, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to sell him short. Osgood is, is you're right, he is the butt of jokes especially from a Hawks fan to a Red Wings fan, right? But I think that Corey Crawford, when you look at the numbers, the individual numbers, not so much the counting stats, his numbers really shine, especially considering the last four years, five years, and not five, but the last four or three years, he's been behind some pretty bad defensive teams. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said about the uh differences between the two of them as for the wins thing I do want to point out that Chris Osgood played almost 250 more games I think than Corey Crawford has played so far in his career so he's gonna obviously get more wins based solely on the fact that he's played like 750 or so NHL games like he was in the league for a very long time but I th- I do think the ultimate difference really is the fact that Osgood played for a team that was not limited by salary cap constraints and the Red Wings were just able to acquire so many talented players over the years. It was absolutely crazy. The talent that they put around Osgood. And I will also concede that I have made fun of Chris Osgood in the past and people like, I definitely feel a Yadier Molina vibe about him where everybody was like, Oh, Chris Osgood. He's so amazing. And it's like, you could put a dude wearing like pillows and bed sheets in net and he still would have stopped <laughs> a lot of shots for those Red Wings teams. Like they were very sound on both ends of the ice and they made goaltending for them probably a little bit easier than league average, I would say. But I will also concede that I've been probably overly hard on Chris Osgood over the years. Yeah, that's probably true. But that's that's a fandom thing. So I'm just going to go to Chris Osgood's page here on uh, on hockey reference. I'm just going to pick a random year. All right, so I'm going to say 99-2000. That's the one I landed on. Let's take a look at this Red Wings team. Chris Chelios, Chris Draper, Steve Duchesne, Sergei Fedorov, Yuri Fisher, who was a really good player at that time, uh, Thomas Holmstrom, Vyacheslav Kozlov, Martin Lapointe, who was a good player at that time, somebody named Nicholas Lidstrom, 
Darren McCarty, Larry Murphy, Brendan Shanahan, like Steve Eiserman just goes on and on and on. And every year, this is what these teams looked like, right? They were just stacked. Even when you talk about like the, the fourth line of Maltby and McCarty and LaPointe, like that's, that's a really good fourth line. Yeah. Those guys were all like contributing players. That's like three Andrew Shaw's, I guess, is how you would sort of say that. Jeez, that, man. I mean, that's that it, not to mention Federov, Iserman, Shanahan, later Brett Hull and all the great players that have played for Detroit. So I get what you're saying. I think it's a really good point, Michael. But I think when you look back at the I think the biggest difference in comparing the two is the fact that Crawford has been stuck with a salary cap while Osgood is not. And that's why I give the nod to Corey Crawford. Do you want to know who would actually be a really good person to ask about this? Len Casper, I bet, would be a good person to ask about this. He's pretty uh, dialed into the hockey world, obviously a Red Wings fan, probably has watched a lot of what Corey Crawford's done in recent years. I wonder what he would think about this. Well, I will ask him to come on the podcast uh, when baseball season ends. That sounds like a really great off-season topic to discuss. Uh, Len loves talking hockey maybe more than he likes talking baseball. So I will reach out to Len and ask him, and I'm sure he'll find some time to come on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. All right, well, that's going to wrap things up. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, unless news breaks, we'll be back again next week. We promise you one a week at least during the offseason. But something's got to give here with the Blackhawks soon. So keep it. Keep your eye on our Twitter account, at MadhousePod. You can follow me on Twitter, at jayzawaski 670 James is at James Navo. We will be keeping you abreast of all the Blackhawks news. And if news breaks, we will be here for you. But thank you for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. What you doing? Designing my new 2021 Nissan Kicks Online in the Kicks Color Studio. I give each a special name. This one's electric blue, orange, red, white. I call it the gumball machine. You think it's me? I feel like you're more of a red velvet guy. Limitless possibilities. With over 100 million available color combinations and Bose Personal Plus system. In the boldly new 2021 Nissan Kicks. Bose is the registered trademark of the Bose Corporation. Color combinations include interior and exterior colors. Customization is an available feature subject to availability at participating Nissan dealers. See dealer for details. Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean. But so what happens? That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox.